You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast, more to the story where we talk about last week's sermon, maybe some of next week's sermon. And if you have questions and you would like to have them answered, please send them to life at forefrontchurch.tv or if you're at Forefront on Sundays, Use a connection card, drop them in the box in the back of the worship center, sanctuary, whatever people call that room these days. I can't keep track of what the popular terms are. So with us today, Pastor Darren Enns, how you doing today? I'm doing good. A little tired, but hanging in there. How's the little one doing? Uh, she's pretty cute, if I do say so myself. She has two words, hi and bye. That's about it right now. Oh, okay. That's so, so, <laughs> so all you need. Yep. <laughs> also with us today, Pastor Drew Tarwater, how are you doing? Good. What's up, guys? Good to see you. Good to see you. How's the zone coverage with the three girls? You know, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. We're, uh, yeah, we're working hard, but we're, we're making up some ground. <laughs> well, good. Well, good. And I'm Rob Blasey. I just have a dog, and she's <laughs> killing our backyard one pee at a time. And so that's, that's my life. So, But we're talking about Exodus, the plagues. Uh, I always thought it was interesting with the plagues, you know, there's way more symbology in there than I ever realized after talking to you guys and doing a little bit of research where it's a, it's not just, they weren't just 10 things that happened to God's like, Hey, watch this. This is what I'll do next. There was a plan with the plagues. There was a, there was in I guess better or worse terms a show. So Drew, could you give us an idea like what that show God is trying to, you know, show the Israelites and Egyptians overall with the 10 plagues? Yeah, there's so much going on with these plagues, and they're just so fascinating when you look at these these 10 plagues that God brings on to Pharaoh in Egypt, and it really anchors back into the beginning of chapter 5, where God tells Moses and Aaron to go tell Pharaoh to let his people go, and Moses and Aaron go in. They say, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And then in verse 2 of chapter 5, Pharaoh says something interesting. He's like, well, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? And what's interesting about that is... In Egyptian culture, I mean, they worshipped a litany of gods. I mean, there was like 80 major deities they worshipped. I think it was a total of like 114 gods that they worshipped. And so Pharaoh wouldn't have had a problem with, with the, the Israelites having a god. The problem was that now this god has authority over, their, over his life, and Pharaoh doesn't like that. And he's like, why would I let these people go? I don't even know who this God you're talking about is. And what we see is from here, we see God begin to demonstrate his power and give Pharaoh opportunities to change his mind over the course of these plagues. And and God does this and he begins to reveal his power and he's showing Pharaoh through these plagues that the Egyptian gods that you, Pharaoh, and the people of Egypt are worshiping are actually just false idols. They're not real gods at all. But let me show you who the real God is. Let me show you the power of God Almighty. 
and you begin to see um, these these ten plagues, and there is symbolism, obviously connected to uh, the attack on those individual Egyptian gods. But there's also symbolism in the way that many of the plagues connect to one another. So it's just really a fascinating few chapters. Darren, how do some of these plagues connect to each other? What help us out with that? Um, yeah, so there's a lot of connection. Uh, I wanted to say something. Uh, uh, what Drew uh, respond to Drew first? Um, so yeah. we, we talk in our 21st century minds about uh, you know God, uh, uh, God of the Bible, Yahweh, proving that there is no other gods. Um, I think in in today's day and age that that makes a bit more sense. But for the ancient Near East people, I don't know if they. I, I think the Israelites believed that there were other deities out there. There were other spiritual beings, not not a god as, as we think of like the God, capital G God, but there mm-hmm. there obviously are other spiritual beings. I mean, there's angels. The New Testament talks about demons. Um, and, and I think that at, at some level, these other lesser beings, these lesser spiritual deities, were, were being worshipped in, in some way it, throughout the ancient Near East. And even today, hmm. you know, you can find yeah. some some stuff going on. So, um, yeah, when, when we, we say that there are no other gods, uh, I, I think that's true as long as we, we think of it as, like, the one true God. There are, are some spiritual beings out there people can worship and can do some weird things. I mean, you, you do hear some, some odd stories, not as much in America because we're logical and rational, and so if something happens, we try to figure it out scientifically. We don't think about it spiritually. Uh, but in, in other places where they do tend to think things spiritually, um, that, that you can get some stories attesting to some really interesting things going on in spiritual warfare and whatnot. Um, but uh, as to your question, Rob, as, as far as the, the relationships, um, I'll, I'll probably jump in here and there as we really get going. But there's a ton of relationships uh, that line up with the, the, the plagues. Um, specifically, the first nine, if you think about putting them on a grid, so one, two, and three, like on a first row, Four, five, mm-hmm. six on the second, seven, eight, nine on the third row. Um, those each row were, will relate to each other. There, there are certain things that happen in plagues one, two, and three that are all similar. Uh, there's also things that happen vertically. So, like plagues one, four, and seven relate to each other, um, and and two, five, and eight relate, and, and three, six, and nine relate. And so we, uh, the Bible study I lead on Thursday nights, went over this this past Thursday. So I'm I'm gonna. We found a lot of extra things. So as we go along, I can say how they relate to each other. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. 10 is, it's, it's kind of its own thing uh, as it relates to the Passover and, um, and, and other things. But yeah, one, one through nine, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens. So the first one is the Nile turns to blood, the Nile River. And this is something that like Pharaoh's magicians or, what, or whatever they're called, the, their enchanters, whatever the exact correct terminology is, they could do similar tricks if you want to call it on maybe a different scale but it wasn't something that they were immediately going oh so help us out with that drew yeah it is interesting there are a few of these a few of these plagues where his magicians are able to kind of replicate in a much smaller form and uh every time you see that it's like pharaoh just like hardens his heart even more um, it, it's just interesting. I think that just plays into this, this idea of what God's trying to do to get Pharaoh to wake up, to see that the God he's talking to, Yahweh, is the, the true almighty God. And to Darren's point, you, you see the cycle with Israel as they go. I mean, as, as they wander through the wilderness, as they get ready to go into the promised land, in Deuteronomy 6, you get the Shema, which is like the Lord is one. 
like just trying to help them to see that that there is one big G God that 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 God Almighty Yahweh is their God and He is the one who made heaven and earth. Everything we read back in Genesis one, He's trying to teach Pharaoh right now, and so you see that the first plague being focused on the Nile was really big because the Nile was believed to be like the bloodstream of the god Osiris. It was the the the, really the hub of daily life and the economy. And so the Nile was really uh, that thing that they held on to um, as, as such an important part of life in Egypt. And so by first turning the Nile into blood, it was a judgment against all of these false gods, like, like um, the god of the Nile, the goddess of the Nile, the, the guardian of the Nile. They had all these little gods that were over the Nile. And so when it turns to blood, it, it basically saying, hey, look, you guys have been looking to this Nile as, as really the formation of life for you. It's just water. God in heaven is the one who can control that and can change its substance. Um, and, and Moses told Pharaoh, it's like, by this, you will know that I am the Lord, that I have power over creation. And so you see, yeah, like Darren said, there's this correlation here. The first plague, it's it now turn, turn the Nile to blood. The second plague is bringing frogs from the Nile, which mm-hmm. is interesting because the uh, Egyptian god Heket was a frog-headed goddess of birth. And so mm-hmm. it was this this frog god was thought to be like the frog of like fruitfulness and and childbirth and all you know all these kind of things and so by frogs coming out of the nile again god is saying hey these these you know the heket is not real frogs are under my control they are just part of creation and so again you know god is saying pharaoh open your eyes and see everything you've been worshiping are just false idols i'm the one true god i can i can't imagine where people are worshiping uh created things over creator like i can't see how that happens at all today <laughs> no, it's not. No. So it's it's interesting where and you guys were talking about the cycle too of like believing in God, falling out to from God, and you kinda go like my wife and I have talked about this where you kinda go, if I saw the stuff, how could you not worship God? You know, you see the ten plagues, you see the as the story moves along, you know, the splitting of the Nile, you know, Mount Sinai, all these things, and they still then wandered in the you know, they got lost in the wilderness for forty years because they the cycle of believing, falling back, believing, falling back, and so it's like, I was like, how could, like, how can people see this stuff? But it's we do the same thing, I think, in our own lives, is where we justify, like, oh, well, that was just coincidence, things like that. Yeah, my favorite thing to talk about how we worship things is that grown men paint their bodies and go scream at other grown men in tights playing with a ball. Like, if that's not worship, I'm not sure what is. <laughs> Oh, either that, and then the other form is uh, I love to use is uh, Red Rocks. The uh, mm. at you know great concerts, you know everyone's singing along, and you know ten you know ten thousand people or you know at Ball Arena, bigger venues, tens of thousands of people singing along to everyone knows the song. And then Sunday mornings is like sometimes you go like do they, the words are up there. It's like they don't <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love no. fo- I love sports and I love music, but yeah. It's, it, it is really interesting. The you, know, you can look back on this story in Exodus and think, and a lot of uh, archaeologists, secular scientists, I mean, uh, everybody's try, tried to, to, to combat this and say, well, is there some kind of a natural phenomenon that caused these plagues? I mean, what is this? What is going on here? And you, of course, we're not biblical um, archaeologists, so we, we probably won't get out of our lane today and talk about some of these things as much fun as that would be to do. 
But I, I think there is so much truth in this for us, you know, that what God, what God is doing is he's combating idolatry, he's combating false views. So these Egyptians, they looked at the Nile, they looked at these false gods, and they said that this God, whoever it is, right, Heket, um, whoever it is, right, Osiris, Ra, these gods are the ones that give uh, that lead us to happiness, that lead us to um fulfillment, that lead us to fruitfulness. And God is combating that going, no, it's not. What leads you to those things is me. I'm God Almighty. I'm the creator of your soul. And so he's, this, this is in a different culture in Egypt. He's saying this to these Egyptians. But Rob, he's, like you said, he, he's saying that to us now. You know, for us, it's not the Nile or it's not a frog-headed princess goddess, which is just weird to get your head around, but it's our jobs, right? It's in our entertainment. It's our money. It's, um, you know, the fact that like we have this, especially if you're living in Colorado, you have this rugged outdoor individualism, like, oh, you can't tell me I'm going to go hike wherever I want to hike and ski and bike wherever I want to go. And so it's like freedom. So we insert our own, our own little idols, right? Our little fake gods into our own life all the time. And so I think Exodus 7 through 11 can teach us that we need to realize too, that those things are just things that we've put in the way. It's God Yahweh, the I am, the great I am, that is the one that actually leads us to fruitfulness and goodness and happiness and peace and joy. And so I think there's a lot of truth for us in 21st century, uh, you know, the 21st century West in America can take away from the story of the plagues that, that I think God has just so deeply rooted into his word. If the 10 plagues happened today, do you think it'd be like, and your internet is out and your cell phone won't work? <laughs> Gasoline is just too expensive to buy. <laughs> I don't know. There's there's still locusts, man. Like th- those grasshoppers. I oh man. I hated mowing in Kansas in the heat of the summer <laughs> when there was a when we didn't have a very uh, extreme winter. Those grasshoppers' eggs would survive, and there'd be so many. Like I, th- they land on me when I'm on the mower, and it, ugh, I hated it. I told my mom, yeah, like I, I was a grown boy in high school, and I told my mom, I'm not doing that. I hate these <laughs> things landing on me. There's oh, this, man. I, I can't imagine a whole cloud coming in and just devouring your field. I would freak out. I hate those things. Well, right. Yeah, because you look at the third plague, right? And it's gnats. And it's yeah. actually judgment on, on Set, who's the god of the desert. Um, but And this is the very first one that the Egyptian magicians were unable to duplicate. So you got these gnats that came in and just made life miserable and made life uncomfortable. And growing up in Missouri, there was about like 10 days a year you could actually sit outside without just being swarmed by gnats. There's just gnats everywhere. So I understand that. Like that's a real plague that we even have to deal with today. It's like even God. Yeah, even riding bike here and on the bike path, you'll come across a cloud. You don't know what it is. And it's gnats. You like close your mouth, shut your eyes and breathe out through your nose. So nothing gets oh, in yeah. there. It's the worst. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we jo- it's like we God created this. Yeah, it's crazy. We joke like, oh, we're going to bike. Oh, you see the cloud. You're like, get some more protein. <laughs> 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 but yeah, no, it's crazy to think how people would have seen that, like, and all the stuff the Israelites saw and still keep falling away from God. But we, I mean, we do the same thing in our own lives, you know, routinely as well. It's one of those, like, it's hard. We want to go like, oh, that was people, what, you know, 6,000 years ago or what 3,000 years ago Darren I don't know how many years ago lots of years ago 3,500 long time ago yeah it's like that won't happen again today but we find ourselves in the same cyclical patterns 
Right. And, and yeah. God's trying to push back against Pharaoh to show Pharaoh, like, you know, for one, recognize who I am. You said you didn't know who I am. Let me show you. Like, you're going to know my power by these plagues. But he's also, and he's also speaking to the people in Egypt, right? He's showing them, like, guys, you got to break down these walls of all this false these false idols that you're worshiping and, and see that there's more to life, that I am the true God that you were created to worship. And so there's a lot of things at play here within these plagues. What about the darkness one, number nine? Like it was dark for three days. Yeah, which I love that. I, I love that the, the darkness, number nine, because um, you see some, you know, you continue to see the three, right? Remember we talked yeah. about just like the, the you know, how, how um, God uses numbers throughout scripture to teach his truths. And you continue to see this three days coming um uh, around and, you know, just like Noah being in the belly of the whale for three days, Jesus being in the ground for three days, all pointing um, the, to, uh, you know, to what God would do through Jesus one day. But what's interesting about darkness, it was aimed at the sun god Ra, who, mm-hmm. um, you know, symbolized, was symbolized by Pharaoh himself. And so Ra was, you know, this, this god of life and all of these things. And so when it gets dark for three days, imagine what Pharaoh and e- the Egyptians are thinking, like, hold on, Ra was like our guy, that was like the one who we really saw like, you know, our crops grew because of the sun and all these things. And now it's dark for three days and God's saying, ha ha, let me tell you about Ra. He's fake. I'm the one you need to worship. And is it right that the, is because the Israelites were kind of in a different area of Egypt than Egypt proper, if you want to call it, that'd be like a suburb of Egypt. I don't know if that's correct historical terminology, but it was light there, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it was. They're in Goshen, uh, which is a place, uh, I'm not sure exactly where, but it was far enough away where these these things really didn't affect them. Um, and if if I could go to some patterns, um, that is, that's really brought out in the second, second set, in the second row. So four, five, and six, um, God makes a distinction between the area of the Israelites in the area of the Egyptians. So uh, plagues four and five, which is flies, and, and then the, the plague of boils, or the, the thing that killed the cattle, um, th- those are, are specifically said not in Goshen, which is where the Israelites were. Uh, but then plague six happens only in Egypt, and then therefore not in Goshen as well. Um, so we, we see that separation starting to come out there. Um, and it is, it is dark um, in, in Egypt. Um, so another thing about these, um, another pattern that goes vertically then, three, six, and nine, uh, you, you hear this thing about dust. So the, the first one, nets, the, um, Aaron and Moses strike the staff or strike the ground with their staff and that dust becomes nets. Um, and then they take ashes for plague six, which is boils on humans and they throw it into the air and the darkness, um, or sorry, the, the, that dust covers the humans in boils just like the gnats covered the humans. And then in Plague 9, we have darkness covering the land. So there's always a covering um, mm. that, that proceeds in, in Plagues 3, 6, and 9. Um, and uh, the, other, the other big thing I'll say as far as patterns go is that as we see the, the plagues moving through, um, every single one, you can find a relationship to creation. I won't go through all of them. Oh, I'll do it really generally. Yeah, because this becomes another decreation story. Um, like like the, the flood was, where, where the waters come crashing back, we're back to a pre-creation chaotic state. Eventually, that's what happens uh, throughout these plagues. So on, on days, or on plagues one, four, and seven, all of those happen in the morning. 
uh, plagues 2, 5, and 8 actually do not have any kind of time constraint on them. But then plagues 3, 6, and 9 talk about um, going in all the way up until the next day. So that would be like evening or, or overnight or the rest of the day. And so um, all of these things are happening from morning until evening, and then there's another pattern. Um, and my favorite one, there is exact language in the ninth plague that says, let there be darkness. Not let there be light like there was in Genesis 1, but let there be darkness. Uh, God is completely destroying everything that the Egyptians know and worship and, and think about who their God is. God has power over all of creation, not just the Egyptian gods that they worship. Um, and then we come to plague number 10, and there is just straight up death, where God sends an angel of destruction and there is death in the land of Egypt, which is complete opposite of what uh, Genesis 1 and 2 is all about, bringing life. Wow, crazy yeah. to th- think about how it parallels the creation story as well. Just like an inverted, bizarro creation. Yeah. Well, a, te- a teaser for next week, we get to the Red Sea, right? And there's just going to tie in just that idea of water again as well. Yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. You know, when you get to the end of Plague 6, before we get to 7, 8, 9, you'll see that God actually goes and tells Pharaoh, okay, the next three are going to be more severe. So it's like God, he, he's continually given Pharaoh opportunities. He's like, hey, look, I'm going to show you my power. And then he goes back in, let my people go, no, okay, well, I'm going to show you again. And he goes in before the last three plagues, 7, 8, 9, and he says, look, these are going to be more severe, and they're going to convince you that there is none like God on the earth. And so Pharaoh was told that he should go and take all their cattle. He should go and take all their crops that haven't been destroyed already and go shelter them because some really ugly things are going to come. And it says in Exodus 9 that some of Pharaoh's servants heeded the warning while others did not. But then you have just these last three plagues that we were talking about there, right? You got hail, locusts, and darkness, and it just destroys all the crops. Uh, whatever didn't get destroyed by the hail gets destro- eaten by the locusts. So now there's no harvest in this year. So God had been giving Pharaoh opportunities to repent and get it right. Um, and he continued to, you'll see this pattern we'll talk about next time about how he hardens his heart. Sometimes it's Pharaoh hardening his heart. Other times God actually hardens Pharaoh heart to sh- his heart to show power. And so we'll, we'll really lean into that one later and talk about what that means. Um, but um, yeah, you can see that some actually like heed the warning. Some are like, okay, we're starting to get it. But unfortunately, the majority of them, they were so stubborn and still rooted in this false idolatry and worshiping these pagan gods, they still just couldn't let go. And that brings us to number 10, uh, the death of the firstborn males, which leads us to the Passover, which ultimately points us to Jesus, and which is a powerful, uh, a powerful uh, picture of what Jesus would do as the Passover lamb. No, it's a, that that number tens the, you know, mirrors Christ in that story, so significantly. So, do you want to spend more time on that one now, or talk about that one next week, Drew? Where are we where are we aiming at? Uh, Darren, do you have any nuggets on ten? We probably should spend a little more time on it, maybe next week. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, the there's a lot of interesting stuff there with the angel of, of death. Um, I mean, obviously the Passover, like all of a sudden the narrative slows down, and there's all these laws that come out which is we haven't had yet in, in the, the story of biblical narrative as we come to it. So, um, yeah, I, I think we should spend some more time on it when we, when we can next time. Well, 
we'll leave it with there. So we got through one through nine of the plagues this week. Next week we'll talk about the headliner number 10. And we're, thank you so much for listening. Any parting thoughts, uh, Darren? Uh, yeah, I actually have one. Uh, the, the word for plague that we have in English is, uh, you think about it, it really means disease. And there's only okay. one disease in these plagues, which is number five, where, where the cattle get this disease, uh, like some kind of bubonic plague type of thing. Um, so the other ones, like a, a, a bunch of, of locusts, a bunch of gnats covering you is not a disease. That's just an amazing act of power. Um, so th- there's a lot of different words in the Hebrew that we, for whatever reason, I don't know who did it first and why it stuck, but we, we use the word plagues, like the 10 plagues. Well, there's one plague, uh, but yeah, 10 acts of power. So um, hmm. the, the most common one is negef, which means to, to strike. And the other common one is naga, and you can hear the, the commonalities in both of those, which means to touch. Um, and it, it sometimes means to touch violently. So that's, it, you know, it could be the 10 strikings or the, the 10 smacks. You know, God just backhands the Egyptians. Who knows? Um, but that, that's kind of the idea with, with the words behind uh, our English word plague here. Interesting. Pastor Drew, any uh, parting thoughts? Yeah, it is really interesting if you think about the Israelites, they come out of these plagues and they had seen God's power. God promised to deliver them. Now they see these 10 plagues. And so they have this really clear picture of God's power, his protection, his plan. And then immediately when they get into the wilderness, they forget God's power and they start whining about being hungry and thirsty and being hemmed in by their enemies and all these things. And it just reminds us of just like how easily forget, we forget how frail we are, how uh, so easily we fall into fear. And so it's like, man, if the Israelites could have just seen how these plagues were so, the power of God in these plagues, they should have never feared as God led them throughout the rest of their lives. And I think it's just, again, God wants us to see ourselves in the pattern of these Israelites and to see, okay, where did they go wrong? Where are we going wrong? And how can we truly learn to trust God that he is the I am who has sent us and is with us. And so I think there's just so much that we can take away from this section. It's not just some historical narrative that we look back and go, wow, this is so cool. I can't believe God did this or did that. But we can see ourselves in the story and can learn to grow and take steps forward in our faith. No, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for listening. If you have questions on this and you want want a little bit more information, email us, life at ForefrontChurch.tv. And we'll talk to you next week about active power number 10. Because technically it's not a plague, right, Darren? (laughs) All right. An act of wonder. (laughs) An act of wonder number 10. (laughs) All right. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next week. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.